This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome, or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I'm so glad you're here. I started this podcast almost five years ago to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be in a relationship with a therapist and really be learning and growing, but would love another perspective. To those of you who might just have been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or having some kind of relationship problem and you're looking for answers. And to those of you who might say, you know, I'd never darken the door of a therapist. I think that whole thing is just crazy, except you're unhappy enough to listen to self-work. So I hope your curiosity pays off. Welcome. Welcome to all of you. I'm recording this a bit early, but I've got some exciting things happening at Fireside Chat. If you want to know more about it, go to firesidechat.com slash Margaret Rutherford, and you can ask to be a part of Fireside. It's another podcast platform, but one where we actually can interact. We can talk with one another. You can come on stage, so to speak, or you can send in emails to me. There'll be more information later, but again, go check it out at firesidechat.com slash Margaret Rutherford and request access to Fireside. You do need an iPhone. Today, this episode is my response to a review that was left for me on self-work this week. They write, Thank you for taking the time to make this podcast. I've tried therapy at least five times in the last 10 years for anxiety, depression, and grief. I can never stick with therapy. But since discovering your podcast and binging on the episodes that resonated, I feel much more confident about taking on therapy and more modern treatments and much more informed. Frankly, I got a huge smile on my face when I read this. So thank you so much for letting me know how self-work has made a tangible difference in your life. So I decided to focus on why people quit therapy, or at least the reasons they give. And believe me, sometimes it's not about you. It's definitely about the therapist. We'll talk about that. And then tied in with that, what are the roles therapists can play? It's my opinion that if you know these roles, you'll walk into the relationship realizing all that it could be and make sure you and your therapist are headed in the direction that you understand and believe could be helpful. I don't mean like an acting role. It'll be clear to you, I think, when we talk about it. Probably a better word for it is the structure of therapy, and there are many different structures. The listener email today is very short and has to do with getting over hard feelings. Interesting, we talked about self-forgiveness last week. I appreciated this question in its simplicity. Hard feelings are something that can stick around for a long time and cause the feeler of them much more harm than whoever those feelings are toward or whatever they're about. So I can't wait to dig into this one. So today in this episode, sponsored by Athletic Greens, we'll talk about why you might quit therapy or want to quit or consider quitting and what would be helpful to consider if you find yourself wanting to do that. While looking around for good research on the topic of quitting therapy, I found an older article that I thought was very well written and summarized. It's from the website goodtherapy.org and was written by Kate Griffith. So I'll take the five reasons she gave about why people say they quit therapy. I'm going to give it my own spin 
and borrow her organization, so thank you, Ms. Griffith. You know, I had to stop and count the number of therapists I've actually gone to in my lifetime for mostly what has been my anxiety disorder and actually pretty severe marital problems. I saw nine altogether over 25 years, about half doing couples work. The other four or five were individual therapists, with one being really bad. The relationship therapist I never blamed for not doing a good job. Partnerships themselves were severely flawed from the very beginning, and I'm frankly amazed that any progress was made. But I learned from all of it as I began to track my own irrationalities, mistakes, and vulnerabilities, and gradually began addressing them as an individual. So did I quit any? Yes, the bad one. I'm sorry to say I didn't do it assertively. Unfortunately, I kind of just sneaked out. I wish now that I'd been able to, but I used my internship ending as an excuse. It would have been good for me to tell him that he'd crossed a couple of boundaries that weren't necessarily damaging to me because I could see him doing it, but made therapy more about him than me. Instead, I used one of the excuses below and wish I'd taken the opportunity. So, what's the first reason why people quit therapy? As Ms. Griffith puts it, my therapist ticked me off. The great thing about therapy, about good therapy at least, is that when the relationship is a trusted one, you get to practice what you don't do very well. And not too many of us handle anger or disappointment well. And when perhaps we've tried to be more assertive, our family members will either escalate or sulk or cry. They'll have all kinds of unhealthy responses. So you learn to not say anything if you're mad. Therapists can unintentionally say something or do something to anger their client. I know I have. Whether it's getting the time of the session wrong or they offer some reason or interpretation to you that makes you feel as if they just don't get it. Perhaps you tell them you think your depression is worsening, for example. And instead of inquiring about that, they say, well, I'm not sure I see what you see. I just think we're talking about hard things. And then they move on. That's terribly discounting and should make you angry. Now, maybe they're right, maybe they're not, but they've completely missed the opportunity to find out more about your concern. I appreciate it when someone comes into a session and says, I couldn't get the word you used last time out of my mind and I didn't like it. It gives me a chance to apologize. We go over what was said and then work on a better understanding. It can be a little tense, but it builds trust. The huge thing for you is the experience of speaking up and being heard and then not being shamed for anger or assertiveness. That experience in and of itself can be very rewarding. A lot of the anger I hear about previous therapists is from true boundary or focusing violations, like not focusing on you during therapy, taking phone calls in your session, being late, not remembering details of your history. And sadly, I've actually had two cases where there was prior sexual abuse. So if any warning flags go up for you, if you haven't heard of other people's therapists doing what your therapist is doing or saying, go on and get out, or at least get a second opinion. And let me be quick to say, there are many more therapists who strive to make their environment as safe as possible. So if you get pissed off, go talk about it. The second reason given for leaving is finances. I can't afford it anymore. Therapists don't get to meet people when their lives are going great. And often there are financial problems that go along with that. First, you want to make sure each session is full of value for you and that you can see progress. That can make the money you're spending seem reasonable. You can see where you're going and what you're working on. 
But if there's no plan between you, if you haven't sat down with your therapist and set goals, then understandably your financial concern would be great. I had someone come in last year on a fixed budget. She told me she could afford four to six sessions. I offered her a lower fee and that she was the kind of person that didn't want to do that. So we worked very proactively together. She did all the assignments and she was out in five sessions. Now, it's true that kind of work isn't fit for severe problems or trauma work, but there is a place for it for sure. And if your work is going to be longer term, be honest with your therapist about what you can afford. Many, if not most, will work with you. Their goal is to help you heal. Yes, being a therapist is how they pay their bills. But as long as you have an agreement and you stick with payments, then the air is cleared and again, trust is built. So as far as finances are concerned, set goals and make sure you're working proactively so you feel like your money is very well spent. And then if you're going to have longer term therapy, work out a financial agreement that you can afford. So before we go on, let's hear more from Athletic Greens because they have a really wonderful offer for you. Athletic Greens came on board SelfWork now a few months ago with an offer for SelfWork listeners to try their product. And because of being a SelfWork listener, you'd receive bonus products as a gift with a subscription. I don't really know how many of you have tried it, but quite a few I can tell. And I'd love to hear from you about how you're feeling. Please email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com because I'd love to share your experience here on SelfWork. So some of you are saying, what is Athletic Greens? It's a life-changing nutritional habit. Their daily all-in-one superfood power is your nutritional essential. It's by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to your daily routine today and empower yourself toward better habits. And it's a lot more pleasant than eating celery, I promise you. I've never liked powdered things, but this one isn't too sweet, but also not too grainy. And I look forward to it in the morning. You're actually just getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis And you don't have to take multiple supplements, just one thing. I take a scoop a day and know that I'm getting 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood, and more. In fact, I just had my annual OBGYN appointment, and his last words to me were, make sure you're getting enough D3, and the supplement you receive as the self-work bonus with the subscription contains both D3 and K2. So I smiled and said, well, I got that. I hope you'll try it. Both my husband and I love it and have kept it up now for several months because it's making a difference. So here's the link, athleticgreens.com slash selfwork. That's, of course, HTTPS colon slash slash athleticgreens.com slash selfwork. And I'll have that link for you in the show notes. So why do people quit therapy? We've already talked about money issues, and we've talked about getting mad with your therapist. A third reason for quitting is, I don't think it's going anywhere. This one can be a little tricky, because it could be that your therapist hasn't taken the time to formulate what you want out of therapy with you, to have a plan, maybe tangible changes that you want to make in your life, a habit you need to break, learning how to handle your anger. Maybe you want to touch on the past to understand, but you actually want to focus more on the present and they keep talking about the past. Or perhaps you do want to work on past trauma, but that doesn't mean that therapy goes on and on indefinitely. Your desire for a plan is understandable. 
So without that plan, you can say, I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't know where we're headed. But there are times in therapy when your hesitation to continue is because you're fighting impulses to avoid something, a memory, a feeling, vulnerability. And if you leave therapy, you won't have to. So it's good to talk with your therapist about this. If you stop, you want to know why. You want to be honest with yourself. I've had people tell me more than once that they think they've done the work they need to do for right now. They need to pause. That we've covered all the ground they can cover for now. And they'll come back when they're ready. That is fine by me. But we do look around a little bit to make sure they're not avoiding something that's really right on the cusp of breaking in them. Something that would be a very healing experience for them. And they're just afraid to dip their toe in the water. And so we can work through that fear, get there, do the work, and then if they want to go, great. But again, the therapist is not in charge of that. You are. But it is good to talk about it. Here's number four. Maybe I'm just not cut out for therapy. I think this feeling could be based on the fact that you're just not a good match with your therapist. Maybe you want a more assertive, collaborative therapist, and the one in front of you is more of a listener who has a more quiet, introspective approach, or vice versa. That mismatch could be a problem, and it can be talked about openly. I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and sometimes when I have someone As a patient that I believe really would do better with another style of therapy, I will find gently how to talk to them about that. I'm a strong personality, and sometimes that does not work well for people. Therapists have reputations, and so you can ask around about what kind of therapist they are, and that might not be evident from just their website. But also, and I want to stress this, you can ask for a short chat with them about who they are, how they practice prior to booking an initial session to see how they feel to you, what kind of energy do they have, and if they're a good match for you. But this one can also be tricky. Remember, it's maybe I'm just not cut out for therapy. Because maybe the therapist is offering you ideas, things to try, journaling to do, physical and emotional exercises that would be helpful, and you're not following through. But sometimes that's because of your depression or anxiety. You're struggling to regulate yourself emotionally, and therapy feels like too much. Your mind isn't focused enough, and it's okay to back up. Maybe you need to address medications or try group instead of individual. Maybe you need to do body work. Bessel van der Kolk, who's known worldwide for his work with trauma says you can't really do good trauma work until someone's body relaxes until they know how to reach a safe space so you can do meditation mindfulness yoga massage things like that to help diffuse some of your anxiety and then you're ready for therapy you're ready to talk about things that are going to cause you some pain there's not just one way to approach therapy But it may not be that it's not for you. It's just a little soon to try it. And here's number five on Miss Griffith's list. I'm just going to call and cancel. Or in my experience, people kind of disappear like I did. They may have missed a session. I call them back and then I don't hear anything. This doesn't mean that therapy wasn't effective. In fact, sometimes it's because it was very effective and the patient is avoiding a goodbye because it's painful and hard to do. 
After all, you've shared a lot about yourself. And I've found that even with teletherapy, some people avoid that last session. If you do, that doesn't make you weak. I wasn't a bad person when I just kind of went away from that therapist that wasn't any good. But at the time, I wasn't mature enough as a person to handle it. I didn't quite know what words to say. But when you've had a really wonderful relationship and you've learned a lot and you've progressed, saying goodbye to your therapist can be emotional. I tell people all the time, I want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate that you're doing better. My job is to do myself out of a job. So taking that hour to express your feelings and then having the therapist tell you how much it's meant to them to work with you, be trusted by you, that can be quite special. And then if you decide to go back, if you need a checkup or a reboot or whatever you want to call it, you don't have to deal with the fact that you left on shaky terms or no terms. But I said I was going to talk about six reasons that you might quit therapy. The first five were Miss Griffith's ideas, but I have one more that I've already alluded to. Therapists can serve in lots of different roles, or therapy can take a lot of different structures. They can be seen as consultants, giving you information that they've learned from prior experience with patients or their own experience to help you make decisions or get through a hard time. Therapists can also be keepers of a safe space when trauma work needs to be done. A place for you to slowly remove any armor you've put up against pain you have in your past and begin to work through that pain slowly and carefully. Therapists can also be mediators, especially in couples or family work, and their role is to try and help everyone feel understood and move into a healthier dynamic with one another. And fourth, a therapist can be seen as a collaborator, someone who has a special skill that you can learn and the two of you work together on trauma exercises or body work or neurofeedback. They have an expertise, and you need that expertise to heal. I think the reason why this is important to talk about is you may just understand therapy to be one of these, but it can be all four, and there are probably some more I haven't thought of. (laughs) Frankly, I switch roles all the time when I know that one person wants or needs me to serve in that role, and then when the next person comes in, I might switch roles in the next session because of the desires and needs of the next client. One session I do hypnosis, the next I do active trauma work, the next we're working on problem-solving strategies. Now, another therapist might not want to change what they offer, their structure, they just like doing the same structure, and that's fine, that's the way they practice. But again, you can ask, what do you tend to do with your patients? And what does this have to do with quitting? I think therapy can be misrepresented as all about doing the same thing. And you wouldn't find anything different if you tried another therapist. Kind of like if you went to a movie and you didn't like it and you never went to another movie. Therapists are very different from one another. That has its advantages and disadvantages. And one of its disadvantages is that it might take some time and patience to find a therapist that fits your expectations. That's why I highly encourage people to ask around. Sadly, most of us don't sit around and talk about what their therapists are like, like do our medical doctors or lawyers or plumbers. This is partly due to stigma, but it's also because of the vulnerability of therapy. So please think before you quit a therapist or therapy altogether. It's a bit more complicated than it may seem on the surface. The listener voicemail today may be short, but there is a lot of feeling behind what she said. 
how to deal with hard feelings. Hard feelings. I'm not sure when the last time I heard that phrase was, but it's really so apt, isn't it? Feelings that are brittle, unyielding, have solidified into something that feels it won't give. They're hard, probably have been around for a while. So how do you begin to loosen them, to move them around? First, you have to know why you choose to do that and ask yourself a lot of questions. Would you choose to try to loosen them because it's causing you pain, someone you love pain? And then it's good to recognize why they hardened in the first place. Was that something you allowed, something you wanted, something you forced yourself to do? Did you follow someone else's lead to make that happen? Is that your habit to hold grudges? To allow resentment to help you avoid vulnerability or risk? What do you see now that you didn't see or understand then? What's the cost to you of the hard feelings you're keeping? After you've asked yourself questions like these, I'd ask you to write down how you want to feel about things. What do you want to replace those feelings with? Often I suggest to people that if their habit is to hold anger or resentment or hard feelings, that that habit protects them, shields them, from feeling more vulnerable feelings like sadness or hurt or even fear. And then what do you do if the other party involved still holds on to theirs? What risk are you taking? And again, why are you taking it? Usually you'll get a vulnerable answer. Because I would rather feel X, Y, or Z. Or I recognize my hard feelings are causing my children problems. Or whatever. You have to know your motivation. And then that motivation has to become greater than your desire to hold on to those hard feelings. So if you know why you want to let go of the hard feelings or loosen them some, and what you want to replace the hard feelings with, then you can begin to connect, to try to loosen them, and move into the feelings you want to feel, the ones that you've kept at bay, all the while taking responsibility for your role in allowing those feelings to harden. Now, if the hard feelings are a result of abuse or neglect, then we're talking a different story here. But when I think of hard feelings, or just the term hard feelings, I don't think of justifiable feelings. I think of feelings that hardened out of avoidance, habit, or convenience. But again, if that's not the case, and your hard feelings are due to trauma, then you may need a therapist's guidance on working through that pain. Good luck to you. Again, my observation has been that hard feelings hurt the person that feels them far worse than the person who they might be about. So to me, developing a different feeling set is putting yourself first and freeing yourself up from resentment or even hate that can paralyze you. I want to thank you all for being here and for the reviews you've left on either Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to self-work and for my book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, especially the reviews on Amazon. Thank you so very much. I told you last week that when I was healing from COVID, that I got very clear about what I believe my soul work to be in the last quarter of my life, that I'm passionate about getting this message out, that a perfect looking life can act as concrete camouflage for what can be true despair and loneliness and even suicidal ideation. There are lots of ways of getting in touch with me. My website's drmargaretrutherford.com, and if you subscribe there, you'll get a weekly newsletter that includes my blog post for the week, my podcast for the week, and anything else that's going on that's kind of exciting. Like in my last newsletter, I talked about 
the opportunities at Fireside. And you can look at those too at firesidechat.com slash Margaret Rutherford and request access to Fireside and you and I will be able to talk. Right now, I offer weekly podcasts on Fireside, and I would love to have you in the audience and hear directly from you. That would be fantastic. You can email me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I have a closed Facebook group, Facebook.com slash groups slash self-work, and I'd love to have you there. So there are lots of ways we can learn together, because as I say often, maybe not often enough, we all have our own bit of wisdom to share with one another. And I'd love to hear yours. Thank you so much for being here. Take very, very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.